It's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com, and The Zone app. Now here are your hosts, Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Bushini. Bushini. What's going on, everybody? That's the best entrance ever, Conrad. Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical here on 1620 The Zone. We only got two of us today, Zach, Drake, and then we got producer Conrad Fitzes out. So we got a busy show today. Um, I'll talk about Matt Rule, the staff so far, the additions, who we'd like to see on the staff. Um, we'll talk about the transfer portal, as we've seen yesterday. It actually can negatively affect Nebraska. Um the Heisman talk, Lincoln Riley, the game last night, um, conference championships today, a bunch of them, some NFL talk, recruiting with Brian Munson, and then at the end, we'll try to make everybody a little bit of money. But, Drake, did you see last night Jackson State coach Deion Sanders has signed or is, is uh, reported for, to be joining the Colorado Buffaloes? The Colorado Buffaloes. So, I've got a question for you because someone asked me it this morning. And I think it was a really good question. Uh, I believe Matthew Taylor on Twitter asked me this question. And it took me a second to think about it. But um, essentially it was, do you think uh, we should fear Colorado with Dion at the helm? Fear Colorado. No, I don't think so. Not yet, at least. I I know Dion can recruit, and he might be able to steal some players pretty quickly, but it's still Colorado. That that program is a doormat in the Pac-12. It's a poverty program. It's not wor- and not to say that Nebraska isn't right no, now. They lost to him twice in two years. Yeah, um, they're still better than where Colorado is right now. There's there's some things that I want to say about where Nebraska was when that happened that I'm gonna I'm gonna hold for now. Oh, we're gonna podcast that one. Uh, Colorado is just. It seems to me across the board since the early '90s, they have not gotten the support that they need from the administration. They struggle to manufacture fan support. When their fans show up, they're not the best fans in the world. I've seen them boo and throw stuff at their own players let alone nebraska players um it's just i honestly i'm surprised dion entertained that one i know he had interest from some better jobs maybe maybe it's something that's legal in colorado that drew him who knows Uh, it's got to be something because there is no way i thought dion sanders went north to colorado i just it didn't feel like a good fit because Number one, he's at a historically black college right now. I honestly thought the next job he was going to take, being down at Jackson State, if the Florida State job opened up, that's that's the job I thought he was going to take, and I thought he was going to hold out for it. Yes, yeah, so at least somewhere down in the South. Georgia whether Tech it, was another one. Whether it's ACC or SEC, I, I thought that's what he was destined for, too. Well, his entire career has been down there, college pro. I mean, he's he's beloved in that area, so yeah. it, it would have made sense for him to stick around in that area and just – Building an empire down there. Maybe he thinks Colorado is a two-year gig for him, like like he's Mel Tucker, and that was exactly what I said. I think he Mel Tucker's it. I don't think Dion at Colorado is to fear because I don't think he's going to be there long enough to build. No, there's there's no way realistically. I mean, if he gets Colorado back to in the realm of five hundred, he's going to get hired for another big job. Or if Florida State opens up, 
he's I think he's the number one pick for Florida State. Yeah, I I'd also be curious to see what happens in Miami with uh, Cristobal. Yeah, I, you know they had a very disappointing year, and they've been on a turn and burn with coaches lately too. I don't I I know Dion's loved at Florida State. He went to school at Florida State. I think his personality and the way he wants to run things fits more of an old school Miami. Um, I think he's gonna he'll be able to bring back. You're talking that, to uh, Miami of the '80s and '90s, right? Yeah, early 2000s. The, the flash even. and dash, yeah, yeah. He he can bring back some of that energy, some of that style. Um, well, you, you know, know the seventh flash, floor he's crew. got the excitement. I yeah. mean, that's that's kind of what you, that's what he is. Yeah, exactly, and and he does it well because it's genuine. That's that's actually what prime time is. Um, it, it's interesting because. Uh, I got the ESPN article pulled up right here. It says a different source close to a player committed to play at Colorado said earlier this week, um, a Jackson state staff member called in to check on the commitment to Colorado and asked for some film of some other players. Also Dion, I guess is called a prominent player in the NCAA portal and told them not to make a decision on where he's going because he's going to Colorado. So he said, she said there, but interesting if, if true, I think they won one game this year. I'm pretty sure Colorado won one game this year. Do you think he can get them to at least being a talked-about program again? Doesn't mean that they win, but just a program that people are talking about. Yeah, I think any program he's at at a Power 5 level is going to get talked about. Um, It doesn't matter where it is. I I think even if he gets to a group of five, they're getting talked about. If he's at, you know, Central Michigan, anywhere – he his notoriety alone gets that program talked about and he might even have a great recruiting class to start um no i don't think it's all gonna be high school kids he's gonna hit the portal hard just like mel tucker did just like i expect matt rule to um to get as much as he can that is college football ready right away but i don't i i i'm gonna go out on a limb and say he is out there for four years max so he's been at Jackson State for three seasons. Here's his record, pretty pretty darn good. Twenty six and five, and he's gone twenty two and two the last two years. Very impressive record, regardless of where you're at, because you still got college athletes that are very talented all over the field. Mm-hmm. I just didn't he flip the number one recruit one year? He did. Yep, I believe it was last year. And then he even his son, who is a four star quarterback, is the starting quarterback down there. Yeah. Um, let's say he does take the job. Does his son transfer with him? You think it's a package deal? I don't think it's a package deal, but I think I think son follows dad for sure. I don't I don't think that's that's part of why Colorado's going after him. I, I really think Colorado I to me, I don't think Colorado cares if he wins. They really don't. Just bring some notoriety. It bring brings them to back it. to the back to the forefront of conversations. Let's say because at this point, it seems like it's all a done deal with, with you know. At uh, this point, you got to assume Colorado's in some conference realignment talk, too, to get Dion to come. You'd have to because we've seen last night, and we're, we're going to talk about the uh, Pac-12 championship game here in a little bit. We've seen last night the Pac-12 took themselves out of, out of the playoff hunt. Yeah. Um, you'd have to think that I think the Pac-12 over in the next few years will be dissolving at least somewhat, at least your bigger names. Let's say um, Dion doesn't go to Colorado. Is Colorado in some serious trouble? Because they're they're not being quiet about this. 
nothing's been signed, but they're not quiet about it. They're not hidden. Yeah, I think I think if Dion, you know, at the last minute turns them down, that is very problematic for for Colorado in the short term. Um, they have they had worse luck hiring coaches than Nebraska uh, over the last twenty plus years. Yeah, they've. I mean, had you have some... Dan Hawkins. I I can't even remember them all. Um, Macin- uh, Gosh, I uh, I believe his name is McIntyre from. Uh, he was at Alabama. Um, went to Colorado. Central Michigan's coach now. Um, was a really high profile coach when he was hired. Uh, was Florida's coach uh, McElwain, Jim McElwain. Yeah, Jim McElwain. Um, high profile coach, and bottomed out really hard there. I mean, their tenure of coaches is not good. Carl Durrell was the one that was just recently fired. You can say that Nebraska may be hired higher profile candidates that did about what Colorado's did. By the way, McElwain was never at Colorado. He wasn't. I thought he was Colorado State. That's what it was. Sorry about that. Um, you had me confused. I had to double check. Yeah, I for some reason I thought I knew it was a Colorado school, but he did really well at Colorado State. Um, but yeah, it's it seems like Nebraska's had the flash and the flashy coaches outside of Mike Riley, um, with very little results to justify the hires. So it, it's it's been a it's been a rough one. It does seem like that they found their guy with with the rule and we'll we'll talk about him in the next segment but um another big thing they did have mike mcintyre was it mike mcintyre okay from 2013 to 2018 so i'm just going to go down their list um from you know where i think the majority of our our listeners are are in terms of colorado history we'll start at their 20th head coach bill mccartney was there for 12 years uh actually had a pretty good program rick newelheisel was there for three um I forgot he was there and had a had a very good tenure. Uh, had a seventy percent winning percentage. Gary Barnett from yeah. ninety nine to two thousand five. Then you had Dan Hawkins from six to ten. John Embry for from eleven to twelve. Mike McIntyre, Mel Tucker for one season, and then Carl. Doral from 2020 to 2022 and he was a surprise pick anyway because he was the Dolphins wide receiver coach when he got hired on I believe yeah so I mean I'm looking at it here John Embry was terrible Mike McIntyre wasn't great um Dan Hawkins was bad Gary Barnett and Rick Neuheisel were were okay Mel Tucker went five and seven in his one year I'm surprised it was that bad to immediately move on to Michigan State like he did. I, I don't. We obviously don't want to go down this Mel Tucker road, but isn't his record what it is at this point? It is totally flipped on its head from his one one good year at Michigan State. Uh, My favorite tweet ever was that Mel Tucker got paid ninety five million dollars to smoke cigars and call run plays for Kenneth Walker the third, and. Take a hundred thousand dollars that was meant for his assistance. Yeah, um, yeah. It, his record, he's he's about a five hundred coach, maybe a little under, and that's what he's kind of reverted back to. Um, the transfer portal splash, man, it really got him paid to the tune of ninety five million. At Michigan State, two and five, eleven and two, five and seven. He's eighteen and fourteen overall as a head coach. Or. Er, 
sorry, 23 and 21 overall as a head coach. And that includes his two and three record in the NFL. Oof. Wow. How you feeling out there in East Lansing? Not great, Clark. I mean, hey, at least they have 11 and 2. We uh we just paid Scott 40 million for for not that ever. We paid him to really hit that margarita machine though, so at least he got his, his allegedly, his, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. One quick thing before we go to break here. Uh, 9 a.m., the Netherlands and the USA play in a World Cup game. Drake's making us watch it here because he wants to support America. 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 I won't finish that. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> what, you don't I want me to pull you? I almost had it queued up, but <laughs> I know not to get us kicked off air. <laughs> I'm not Drake, okay? I know what to say and what not to say at this point. Uh, We are going to take a quick break here. When we return, we're going to talk about Matt Rule and his new staff here on 1620 The Zone. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing here on 1620 The Zone. We're going to talk about old Matt Rule, the new head coach of Nebraska, and his staff. Got a question for you, Drake. I know you were pretty impressed with Matt Rule's press conference. Are you? you? Yeah, because we (laughs) talked about it. Um, Are you as impressed as most of us seem to be with how he's conducted himself on the first week of being on the job? You know, actually doing the head coach's job yeah i think he's done a great job um i did say the other night when we recorded the podcast and i'll stand by this i i'm not totally thrilled that right now the staff is shaping up to be the junior carolina panthers um and you know if it works out great i i understand you got to get people that you trust uh, that you worked with before. I understand all that, but I also like to see some differing opinions, some differing s- styles of view. And maybe these guys all have that. And the last two staffs that we hired just weren't built that way. Well, yes, man. Yeah. If, if that's how it is great. Um, but I, I would really like to see, see some names up here that, you know, weren't most recently one job removed from working with, with Matt rule in Carolina. Um, that, that's my take Marcus Satterfield. I I'm more comfortable with him than I was after, after the initial announcement, Ed Foley, I'm indifferent on. Um, I love EJ Barthel, Evan Cooper and Terrence Knighton. Um, if we're not talking about special teams, that's a good thing. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess one of my fears, it, this could this could be a great hire, right? What I'm about to bring up could be a great hire. He's actually done very well in his in his coaching lineage, but he happens to be one of the most hated people in Nebraska from his time at Nebraska. I'm a little concerned that he might hire Joe Daly as the wide receivers coach, who's currently the Carolina Panthers wide receivers coach. Yeah, he's. I, I will say he's blossomed very well in the NFL, and, and since his in his coaching in his coaching career, um, his time working with DJ Moore at, at 
Carolina, who's obviously a very talented guy. But, you know, the one thing I, I do like about Satterfield especially is, granted, they, they beat two top ten teams, but he's had a couple different offenses that he's been a part of at his time at Temple, at his time at Baylor, at his time at South Carolina. Really three different polar opposite offenses. Um Back at Temple, more of the I formation, which honestly, I feel like that's what this offense is going to be a little, little bit more of is not so much like Wisconsin, but a lot more ground and pound, lining up in the I formation, lining up in power formations and, and attacking the defense. I guess that I would say, and callers are welcome to chime in, 402-951-1620. Part of the press conference and you know some of the film that I've been able to take a break from my regular job and watch um, you at worked Temple, during the day? I'm slightly worried that we are g- going to look a lot closer to Wisconsin and Iowa offensively. And I, I've said it all all season. I feel like the rest of the Big Ten is evolving. I feel like that's why they didn't hire Jim Leonard at Wisconsin to be the head coach. And it almost feels like we are going backwards to what what those two programs are. Granted, they they have been dominant in the West for for a long time. As the rest of the conference evolves, we have to as well. Now, the flip side of that is Satterfield and Rule have both shown the ability to evolve. Uh, I just don't want to... I would really hate for us to take the full-on Illinois approach where if we can't run the ball, we have zero shot in the game and you know, look like Iowa, Illinois, and Wisconsin have for the, Illinois this year and Wisconsin and Iowa for the last eight years. I, I need... I need us to be able to be explosive at times. And I know that's the goal. I just feel like it's going to be really hard to get a lot of explosive players on the outside if if you are going to look like Iowa and Wisconsin. I, I get that totally. And, and one thing I'll give a little kickback on that is back at Temple when they did ran that more Wisconsin-type offense, the three yards in a cloud of dust, that's when they had P.J. Walker as well who made it to the NFL – funny enough, with the Carolina Panthers, um, was a 3,000-yard passer. So they can move the ball down the field. It's just, I think, short-term, to establish the lines, we may be a little bit more conservative than we would like to be. But I think that may be uh, out of necessity. Okay, so here's my pushback there. In both his first two years at Temple and first two years at Baylor, they threw the ball closer, I want to say closer to 60%. All, some in one case closer to seventy percent because they couldn't move the ball, which is also why PJ Walker was had had the numbers that he did, and they they built to running the ball. So I I guess I'm just really curious to know what this is going to look like come next year. I would like to see. I I love the pistol sets. I think it gives you the best of both worlds. Um, obviously, I I don't mind getting under center at times. I, I'm just really curious at at how they're going to build this line in one off season. Um, it sounds like Casey Thompson might stay. If Casey does stay and you're able to get that line even marginally better, um, you, you, this offense could, could be semi semi explosive and hopefully the line play will be good enough to, to be able to run the ball significantly better than this year. It, uh, I sent you a screenshot last night of a post on Facebook Somebody who uh, does a lot of you know Nebraska giveaways on actually on, bought a couple of jerseys from that guy too. Yeah, uh, he had a talk with Anthony Grant while Anthony Grant was autographing some gear for him for him to auction off on Facebook. 
Anthony Grant, according to him, has every intention of coming back next year. Uh, I hope AJ Allen does as well. That then you have your one-two punch, um, which I, I I still think if Anthony Grant focuses on going north and south next year, I think I think you could argue that Nebraska has one of the better two one one of the better one-two punches in the conference at tailback. Yeah, I think AJ Allen um, is a must. That that's one of the guys that you have to keep on roster. By the way, I think way he's possible. the best back on roster. Yeah, uh, actually, Damon was was talking about him earlier this week as well, just saying that physically, as soon as he stepped on campus, he saw him and he was fawning over him as the best back on the roster, which is which is impressive as a true freshman, nonetheless. Yeah. But uh, so there's six full time coaches on the staff right now. Are there any names? I mean, obviously, we want to see what happens at offensive line and de- defensive coordinator with the Mickey J- Joseph situation, which we're not going to dive into. Um, obviously, the wide receiver spots open up as well. Joe Daly's the guy you brought up a little bit earlier. Um, Keith Williams, I-, I would like to see if, you know, obviously he had his, his troubles here. But um, if they could figure out something to maybe bring that guy back home, I think that would be a phenomenal phenomenal move at that wide receiver spot. Not guaranteeing he will. Um, would be a great one, but... For me, I, I'll just bring up a name that I've been hearing, and I really like Glenn Schumann from Georgia. That That's a name that I think is a slam dunk hire. And I'm going to throw a surprise one out for you. Actually, Jim in Minnesota brought this one up. Trent Bray, the defensive coordinator from Oregon State. Yeah, I I don't dislike Trent Bray at all, actually. Um, former coach here, former linebacker coach under Bo, I believe, here. Yeah, um, had a great defense at Oregon State this year. Phenomenal, lights out, and that's part of the reason that they beat Oregon in the uh, Civil War game at the end of the year. So uh, he's grown a lot in his time since leaving Nebraska. By the way, did you know Avery Roberts was an All American last year? I did. I think he had double digit sacks. Actually, was an absolute stud. Yeah, um, stinks that we let that guy get away. Um, yeah, I'm looking at Trent Bray's profile right now. Degree in sociology, that's something that I brought up on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, psychology and, and education, I love as a background for coaches. Um, sociology is close to psychology, I guess. Not not exactly the same thing. They both got ology on the end of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I. Ooh, Trent Bray might be my favorite to for, you know, dream defensive coordinator i get it i mean like i said he's got ties in nebraska he's got familiarity here he has proven at a power five level now granted it's the pac-12 that he could be a top defense coordinator i i think schumann from georgia is a very very tough get because why would he leave georgia he's an he coached at alabama starting as a ga cut his teeth there now he's at georgia i think his next step may be a head coaching spot but if Rule could convince him. He's just a linebacker coach down there right now, right? A linebacker and co-defense coordinator. Okay. So he's got that co. So that could be something where if you can give him enough money and responsibility and possibly a, a different title, too, you never know what could happen. Yeah. Just think it might be silent on him for a bit. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. Is there somebody that you love for the offensive line? There's a lot of names out there. There, There's no one that 
because we've got Satterfield, obviously, is is the um, offense coordinator at this point. Depends on what they want to do. I mean, there's a lot of names out there. I don't know who you're going to be able to steal. Uh, Brent Key was one from Georgia Tech that I thought that if he came open, they may be able to steal him. But obviously, he took a head coaching job. Um, maybe, maybe Wisconsin's um, old O-line coach. If, depending on what they want to do there, there's just not not a lot of names out there that aren't up and coming that you're going to be able to steal. Honestly, what about Bill Callahan's son, who's the line coach in Cincinnati? I uh, did he follow uh, Fickle to Wisconsin? No, 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 with the Bengals. Oh, oh, I don't know if Dad would allow that one. Dad might still have some hurt feelings from uh, <laughs> from years ago. Well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we return, uh, we're going to get into the transfer portal. And then if we got anything else on coaches, we'll wrap that up here on 1620 The Zone. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and FCC Trucking. You know, Conrad, it's a good thing you played this song because it's about to get real negative in here because uh, we're going to talk the transfer portal. Hold on. Before we get there, i got to clear a couple things up from the last segment. Brian Callahan, Bill Callahan's son, is the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. I'm taking him off my offensive line list. All right. We're going to check him off. I am replacing him with Bart Miller at Illinois. His name's Bart? Yes. Does he have a bull cut? I don't know, but he is the 25th best paid offensive line coach in college football at 475000 Who's he? What uh, What team? Illinois. <laughs> so you got Barton Burton yeah. coaching. But my point is he's done a great job with their offensive line, and 475 is chump change for us to go go you know, pry him away. So before we get into the portal, i got to ask you a question. If it came out that we were paying the offensive line coach $1 million. Do it. Perfect. As long as they got proven results, right? Track record? Awesome. Yep. I mean, for me, I I want an offensive line coach that is going to command at least 600 minimum. Um, It seems like that's kind of the going rate for a – I'll just – Go general a top twenty five. I'm gonna O-line coach. I'm gonna tweet out this list from Football Scoop of the highest paid offensive line coaches in college football. There's two at a million. There's a couple in the nine hundred thousand range. Your high end guys are all in the you know seven hundred plus, which is kind of what you expect at this point for a qualified now, assistant. I will say some of those guys are failed miserably this year. Um, you know, one guy that I would say failed a ton. Is Will Friend at Auburn? He's at seven hundred thousand. Well, yeah, he doesn't have a job. Well, his head coach doesn't have a job. He hasn't been fired yet. Yet, but that—that's just kind of my point. I mean, Bob Bob Bostad at Wisconsin was six twenty-five. He had he had an okay year, but if we had an okay line in the terms of Wisconsin, you you go to a bowl game this year. Yes. All right to the transfer portal. So the portal done giveth and the portal done taketh away. For once, it seems like Nebraska was on the negative end of the portal. Um, are there is there any guy that jumped in that you were most surprised by? Um, besides Ernest Hausman, we'll, no. We'll say besides Ernest because that was one I think we're all kind of shocked. Also, by. I don't I don't know that Ernest is gone. 
No, no, um, not at all. Just because you jump in doesn't mean you're gone from the team. Yeah. Uh, Exploring opportunities. If you'll remember, did Caleb Tanner enter the portal last year and withdraw his name? I know Fidarius Payne entered, withdrew, and then entered, and then ultimately left. Yep, he's at Virginia I, Tech. I feel like Caleb Tanner entered and withdrew his name. That sounds familiar. I know there. I thought there was another guy that did too. I know Payne transferred out eventually, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought there was. He was playing one. hot and cold. It's you know, and, and outside of Houseman, everyone that transferred, I, except I believe uh, Chase Contreras, the place kicker. None of these players have seen significant time on the field. You've got Grimes uh, and Gould, who also entered the transfer portal yesterday. Both freshmen. Um, it, it guys that really didn't do anything on the field said, I don't want to, you know, say anything, but haven't helped the team to get to any wins. Um, and then earlier this week, you know, you had Houseman. That's a, that's as of right now, him entering the portal, not great, but can also come back. So, wanna... um, you know, I, I'll throw one other name in there that surprised me a little bit. Um, and it's not Dakotas Crawford. It's not Camonte Grimes. I was a little bit surprised by Jaden Gold. Um, I thought because he had already cracked the three deep as a freshman, I, I thought he was getting closer to getting, getting in there. Now, granted, you know, Marcus Buford is also a young guy that a lot of the guys in front of him are young guys as well, but he surprised me. I thought, I thought he was a guy that could carve out a role in an, in a new defense. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a very talented kid and you know, that's why he's a, uh, one of the top 300 players in the country i believe when he was recruited with that being said yeah i i I was kind of i was a little shocked but also he hasn't he hasn't done anything as of yet he's a true freshman so you don't really expect much production out of him but nonetheless um let's go to the polar opposite so we were talking about inexperienced guys that haven't seen the field let's go to a very experienced guy who has seen the field a lot Cade mcnamara transferring to iowa I think where he's ending up is the most surprising thing. With all the receivers transferring out of Iowa and what you have seen from the Iowa's offense. for the, I mean, yes, Iowa until this year had beat us, what, seven, eight straight times? Yeah, seven. I think it's seven straight times. Um, I've still enjoyed making fun of Brian Ferentz in that offense for several years. Yeah, it's it's kind of the joke that keeps on giving. Just, I mean, obviously they're beating Nebraska, but it's the joke that keeps on giving. I just, Cade McNamara surprises me. Um, I think he's a hell of a pickup for him, though. Great, absolutely, one hundred percent. But why there? Yeah, and it was weird. As soon as he entered his name into the portal, it seemed like, and obviously you're not able to. Oh, he's a grad transfer, so there's some different rules for him. Um, but it was a quick recruitment from Michigan down to Iowa. It is strange. Reganey, uh, I believe, entered the transfer portal. Keegan Johnson entered the portal. Uh, it, it's weird. This is the second year in a row that Iowa's lost their technically top two receivers. Top three. One of their other guys entered. Oh, did he as well? Okay. I, I didn't see Reganey. I saw the other kid. Maybe I'm thinking of the other kid, not Reganey. And I can't think of his name. But, um, yeah, and uh, and uh, Gavin Williams, another running back in the transfer mm-hmm. portal as well. So, a lot of transfers. I think it's something that we got to get used to in the college football game because it's just going to keep raring up. Now, with the transfer portal, it eventually will even itself out. It's the same way with NIL. Eventually, it will even itself out. It's going to take a cycle, a cycle being four years. 
it's going to take four to five years for everything to really start evening out. Just, that's just part of the uh, the nature of the beast. Um, I do think while Nebraska is on the bad side of it right now, I do think uh, Rule and company seem to have the blueprint of what they want to do, and they're very they're very hard nosed on it. They're sticking to it. Yeah, I I have been very impressed with how deliberate they've been and how they're they're going out and doing doing the job um it just and i don't i don't want to you know beat a dead horse but they haven't they didn't come in and just throw out a hundred offers um i think they've got their 16th out as of yesterday or this morning and some of them are just re-offering guys that that were already offered letting them know hey we want you to come here um but you're also not seeing and granted None of these guys were coaching at at a smaller school prior. You're not seeing them just offer guys that they were trying to get into a smaller school at a smaller conference that they think could, hey, potentially become a player. So I, I've been I'm impressed with how deliberate they are. Um, I think we might see this staff scale back the recruiting approach in a way that, hey, we're not going to throw out 300, 400 offers a year, um, uncommittable and committable offers we are going to be very deliberate and only offer people that we want or some or a couple of people that we're willing to take a chance on. I just get that feeling from them. I know that's not necessarily their track record, but that's what it appears to be so far. It, it, it does seem like it. It does seem like um, we're just not throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. This is a quote for, or this is a tweet from uh, Gary Sharp. It says, hearing from coaches that have met with Rule on his staff today, they were rooting for Rule to get the Nebraska deal done. They are very headstrong about the plan, and for the first time since Solich, a head coach feels authentic sitting across from me. Who tweeted that? Uh, Gary Sharp. Old G-Funk in the morning. Interesting. Um, And then another, I believe it was a coach, I think it was Lincoln East, said this is the first time in 11 years or since 2001 i can't remember or 2011 excuse me i forget which which he used um that a nebraska coach has been in the building lincoln your backyard so you mean throughout the entire recruitment process of malachi coleman we never once stepped foot inside the building that's what this coach said so here's the problem with the way that that the the current staffs have recruited nebraska They've recruited Nebraska like kids should feel honored to get a scholarship, and we don't have to do anything to recruit you. We gave you the scholarship. You should feel honored. Sign on the dotted line. We don't have to recruit you. You're in our backyard. Here's the problem with that. With Omaha, there's so many people that are not don't have roots in this area that have transferred in, moved in, different things like that for jobs for whatever reason. These kids aren't local here. These kids also, don't have any uh, loyalty to on Nebraska. On top of that, they haven't seen Nebraska be good. So why would Nebraska be able to roll in and think that, hey, we could just take it and it's and it's fine. We don't have to recruit these kids. It's absolute insanity on, on a whole nother level. And that's why Omaha is – that's the area that they need to lock down is Omaha. If they can lock down Omaha, they'd be fine. Yeah. But they can't, unfortunately. They haven't shown the ability to recently. I'll, I'll yeah, we've way. struggled in Omaha a lot. 
Uh, somebody wanted to call in for a correction. They're pretty sure it was Lincoln High, not Lincoln East. Okay, perfect. Sorry about that. I, I seen Lincoln, and I thought it was Lincoln East because of the uh, Malachi Coleman. That makes so. way more sense to me now. So I, I could <laughs> I could have been off there. So thanks, caller, for for correcting me on that one. Um, yeah. So either way, I mean, it's just it shouldn't be eleven years before you're in a damn school. Yeah, you're, you're the head coach, and you've got I don't know how many people underneath you. You can't send a, a recruiter or the director of player personnel to talk to somebody at that school. It's it's mind boggling. I the closest thing that they did to generate solid outreach is you know the Friday night lights camps, junior days, things like that. But you have to get out in front of these kids. I mean, there are kids in Omaha that you know. Well, let's look at Zane Flores at, at out of Gretna. He's going to Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy is has been a bigger name in college football than anybody we've hired recently. And consistently gets results. Yes. I'm a man. I'm 40. I love you, Conrad. <laughs> it's just I'm trying I'm trying to fight find the right way I want to phrase this. Um as long as there's no swear words, you can say whatever I mean, you'd like. Perplexing doesn't even do it justice. Um, mind-boggling, confusing, mind-boggling. None of it, none of it does it justice. Baffling. It's almost, it's almost a defeatist attitude, and that's why we got the results that we did, right? Um, but it's not defeatist because you're not giving up. You're it's just not. Really you have trying. an expectation. It's, it's infuriating to me that that's how this has been going on. There, there, how many how many Division One players are there in the in the city of Omaha this year? More than there's ever been potentially. Yeah, the talent level locally has constantly been on, been on the rise. I'll say the last decade. Yeah, and a huge part of that is you know we have added training facilities all throughout throughout the metro. Um, Lincoln has some now too. Lincoln Lincoln's getting some talent, but the city's growing. We're getting transplants. You know. Part of the reason Bellevue West is so good is they get they get um military. Tran- yeah, military transplants all the time. Those kids do not like you said, do not have roots to the state. They they don't have a built in love for the for for the program. You have to get out and recruit them. No, great points, man. Um we're gonna take a quick break here. When we return here to, on Church of the Corn, we're gonna talk about the Heisman race, Lincoln Riley, and the game last night. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and FCC Trucking. Drake, let's talk a little Heisman, Lincoln Riley, USC, and Utah. Um, I wrote a lot of these questions before the end of the game last night. So I'm going to read the first one off to you, and you guys can tell when I, wrote, when I wrote these questions. So Caleb Williams is all but locked up the Heisman. Did you think it was possible for him to win it in his first full year as a starter and transfer to USC? Yeah. Um, first half, that's when that was written. I, I still think he's in the running. Um, you I think he's still the favorite? I think he still has a very good chance. Um, last night hurt him, but it is going to depend on, you know, I think CJ Stroud now should be behind Max Duggan personally. I, 
Max Duggan has been my favorite for the Heisman. He just won the Davey O'Brien Award as well. And the reason he's been my favorite is because he has led comeback after comeback, took over as a starter in a program that was pretty bad last year, uh, lost the starting job to start the season, took it back after an injury, and has just ran with it. So Caleb Williams, just just for his numbers last night, they, now granted they lost 47-24 to Utah, which Utah's came out like a juggernaut uh, in the second half. And um, Caleb Williams was hurt last night, too. He, he was. You could tell he had a very noticeable limp. Um, not sure what happened. They didn't quite say what the injury was or if they even knew what it was. But he went 28 for 41 for 363 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I know he had uh, one interception as well. I mean, he put up some numbers last night. He's He's been the, a video game all year long. Mm-hmm. It's just when you take away those legs, he's not a one-dimensional quarterback. He can't sit in the pocket and pick you apart yet. I mean, he's still through for over 4,000 yards on the year, 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. Favorite? Yes, I mean, statistically, absolutely. But you now have, what, three losses on the year? And... Lost pretty handedly in the conference championship game. Uh, sorry, that was was that their second loss last night? No, that was their third loss last okay. night. So I got a question for you then. Since since we're talking about Heisman, um, well, l- l- let me go with this. So Lincoln Riley, before we get off the USC train, no, that you, was their second loss. By the way, I thought it was their third one. You, um, ESPN's got it as their third one. Oh nope, I was looking at Utah. I guess uh, helps to read. Sorry about that. Um, is Lincoln Riley the quarterback whisper? If if uh, Williams does win the Heisman, this will be his third Heisman winning quarterback. I think so. And I, I've said this about your guy Jalen Hurts out in Philly. If he doesn't transfer to Oklahoma for his senior year, I don't know that he's playing quarterback in the NFL right now. Absolutely not. I don't, I don't think he gets the opportunity. He showed a lot um, in that Oklahoma system to say he's got the arm and the ability to play mm-hmm. and be able to open it up. Uh, yeah, he was a Heisman contender that year, too. Um, yeah, Lincoln Riley's great with quarterbacks. Lincoln Riley needs to figure out a way to put together a team that can play some defense, though. They got to get rid of Grinch. Even even after going 11-2 and this year, I think that is going to be the bar for him moving forward until he 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 starts focusing on the defensive side of the ball even minimally. Because when they move to the Big Ten, if they can't stop the running game, as we've seen, their offense will be kept off the field, and it doesn't matter how many points you score if you're not on the field. Exactly. So I got one more question, then we're going to take a quick break here. You Put on your NFL GM hat for a second. You have the first pick in the draft, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, or Caleb Williams. Let's say he's draft ready. I know he's not this year. Who do you take? Give me the three choices again. C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Bryce Young from Alabama, and then Caleb Williams from Caleb USC. Caleb Williams, no doubt. Over Stroud? Yes. I like Williams. I think I might go Stroud, though. I, I just something I, I like. I like Stroud a little bit more. Um, it, it Would could, you say Stroud has a better receiving core? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it, they've got a more proven receiving core i think usc talent wise is is in the ballpark but what ohio state has there proven talent wise is better yes 
So I would say he probably has a better supporting cast, too. What Caleb Williams has done at USC in his first year is absolutely incredible, though. Yeah, I'm taking Caleb Williams. I think he's by far the best quarterback in college football right now. If I you, don't I don't even think it's close, actually. I'd say if you asked me in another month, my, my opinion could switch drastically to Caleb Williams. So it, it would just kind of depend on the day you catch me on. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return here to the Church of the Corn, we're going to talk about the championship games today. Back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. Thank you for that uh, interesting intro, Conrad. It was the that's the American fight song. I don't think that's it, but <laughs> I mean that's the best that I could find. <clears throat> I feel like I uh, never mind. I was going to say that was chanted in in high school uh, fa- student sections all across America for the last fifteen years. Well, let's talk some championship games. Hold on, we got the World Cup on. Yeah, so let's talk some championship <laughs> games. Um, we've got plenty of good football today. Not it's called f- soccer. Uh, no, 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 no. Football. I did hear that they had like 15 million people watching it, apparently, which is still like a... We just almost scored. Go on, go on, yeah, get yeah, to your conference championship. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm s- stupid football. Anyway, um, starting at 11 a.m., we get the number 10 Kansas State Wildcats versus number 3 TCU. Uh, should be a pretty good game. Last game that they played, 38-28, TCU ended up pulling away. I will add Adrian Martinez and Will Howard both got hurt that game. So that was what I was going to ask you. Um, do you think the Wildcats can pull out one against the Cardiac Kids of TCU? Will Howard is going to be the starting quarterback today. I think they can. Um, will Howard has looked unbelievable. Tremendous. I, I think that they can it's going to 100% come down to quarterback play uh let me let me back up actually it's going to be quarterback play and can Kansas State pull off a big play on special teams that's normally in these close games where where they pull something off is in special teams TCU has been very good at preventing that all year uh, you know, a, a big player for TCU is uh, running or sorry, Kansas State is running back Deuce Vaughn. Uh, he's a guy that can not only run the ball, but receive the ball, the ball very well as well. He's got to have a big game today for Kansas State to upset TCU, right? Maybe not so I, much I rushing, mean, but he's got to be he's got to touch the ball. Yeah, he 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 needs a minimum of, I'd say, 12 to 15 touches one way or the other. Uh, I don't know how you get it to him. TCU is obviously going to key on him. But TCU is going to bring the house at Will Howard. That's kind of just what they do. That's how they've they've hurt so many quarterbacks. I And I don't think it's ever intentional. They, they've just, no, they're just thumping dudes. They have had a string of luck of starting quarterbacks going down when playing against them. Uh, I think TCU pulls it off today, but I wouldn't be shocked if K-State, you know, gets them. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to... If they gave me an over-under on the amount of touches for Deuce Vaughn, I'm going to say 23-and-a-half. I'm going to say they got to hit the over to win the game today. I think he's just got to be very heavily involved, not only touching the ball in the rushing game, but in the receiving game as well, utilizing mismatches. So I'm going to go TCU. I'm going to go TCU close. I think it'll be in the realm of what the previous one was, 38-28. So um, moving on to the next game at 3 p.m., number 14 LSU versus number one Georgia. Does LSU stand a chance of beating Georgia? No. Okay. If Georgia were to lose this game, 
does their resume as well as their reputation keep them in the playoff picture? Uh, I think it depends what happens in the Big Ten game. So do you do you think a Georgia could drop out of the top four then? Potentially. Well, you want to expand on that a little bit more? Um, I just – it's going to depend. If somehow Michigan gets, gets taken out, uh, and I don't expect that, if Michigan gets taken out, I think I think you keep a one-loss Michigan in over a one-loss LSU team potentially. I, it's all going to depend on how it looks on the field. I I don't think there's any way Georgia loses, and if they do, I don't. I really don't think that they're taken out of the playoff. Uh, but the the rest of the conference championship games matter. If TCU loses and Georgia loses, Georgia's in. If Georgia loses, TCU wins. Michigan loses then we're having a totally different conversation, and it gets interesting. See, I'm of the mindset that even if a number 14 LSU does beat Georgia, I don't think there's any way they drop out of the top four. It's just I could see them dropping to maybe three. I just can't see them dropping out completely with how um, dominant they've been all year. Uh, and, and they've got a hell of a resume. They're in the SEC, of course. But it, I think LSU really screwed themselves last week by losing to A&M because, honestly – uh, they were a playoff team. I know someone asked this question last week. Who had the bigger loss, LSU or I think it was Iowa? Um, well, one was a playoff team, potentially. Yeah. One was going to Indy. So um, that that was the question that was asked last week that I thought was interesting. But next game, um, actually just got, start, started talking about it, Purdue versus number two Michigan. It's at 6 p.m. tonight. Um, how the hell did we get to this matchup? I mean, I know how we got here, obviously. With with we've seen the season play out, but how the hell did we get here? This this is a blowout in the making, right? I don't know. I Michigan's good. I'm very torn on this. Michigan's by the way. good. Um, but Michigan is built to to stop the run, run the ball, stop the ball, or stop um, the run. Excuse me. And they're built to limit the big play. Purdue doesn't do either of those. Purdue dinks and dunks up and down the field. Michigan's going to have trouble, I imagine, have trouble getting to the quarterback because of how quick, how they run their quick game. I I see this game getting interesting. Um, now, does that mean I'm surprised if it's a total blowout? Absolutely not. I think Michigan is a far better team. You know Purdue has no problem throwing it 50 times. Yeah, though. they might throw it 75 times. They're in a dome, so yeah. why not utilize it to your advantage? I, 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 I'm just saying I see a world where Purdue makes this game interesting. Uh, I, I'm going to go I'm going to go Michigan 31, Purdue 27. That's a lot closer than I would have thought. Well, so Blake Corum, he's done for the year. Obviously had knee surgery. Sucks to see because he had such a tremendous year. Honestly, before the knee injury, he was the guy that I wanted for the Heisman. I thought mm-hmm. he had an absolutely fabulous year. Sticking in that backfield, do you think J.J. McCarthy is the guy that can handle more pressure once it gets to the playoff situation and starting tonight with the conference championship? I think so. Uh, I know a lot of Michigan fans don't. I I think he played great against Ohio State. I think that was his best game he's played as a Michigan Wolverine. And I would argue it's because he had to do more. You it's haven't, not like he's not a talented kid. You I haven't mean, asked a lot of him, so you haven't been able to see his best. He's not great at, at throwing the ball downfield, but neither is Caleb Williams for that for that effect. Yeah, I, uh, 
Yeah, I, I think J.J. McCarthy is far better than what we've seen up to this point. And I think, you know, if they make the playoff, you you might see some of his best. Now it depends who they get as far as a draw. I mean, if they get Georgia game one, you're going to see what you saw last year. Uh, yeah, honestly, I think your uh, your best case scenario for Michigan is to have Georgia win tonight, Michigan wins tonight, stick at that one and two spot, and then you don't see him first round, but you'll you most need, likely see him second round. You need Mich- Michigan's best hope for a matchup is TCU at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, you're not going to have Ohio State. Netherlands just scored 1-0. Oh, well, okay. That's a thing that happens, I guess, in, in soccer. Um, <laughs> They're not even our best players. They're not our best athletes. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, I, let's get to our last conference championship game that we're going to talk about. Number nine, Clemson. Number 23, North Carolina. I know I asked you this question off the air. I'm going to ask it to you again. Does if, if Drake May has a big game tonight, can he get back in the Heisman hunt? Define a big game. I'm going to say he's got to go for North Carolina to beat Clemson. I think he's got to th- – he, he'll put the ball up, I'll say, 45 times. Um, I think he's got to put up at least three touchdowns, maybe four all-purpose, and 300-plus yards. See, I was going to – I, I don't think that's enough to get him back. I think in uh, – I was going to say monster game where yeah, I could say four or 500, but yeah, I was at I least th- going to go I, reasonable. I think he needs, you know, 450, four tutties, um, and you got you to gotta either win in a shootout or just roll Clemson. I mean, he, he shot himself in the foot last week with, with how they played in the rivalry game, which pretty much tanked his, his Heisman stock for the year, but – I mean, he's a talented kid. kid. He's got said, a bright future. He's a freshman. I was going to say, you said it yourself earlier. He's a freshman, so it's, it's kind of interesting to see that. Going to the other side at the quarterback position, they've got a much more experienced, not better, but more experienced quarterback in DJ Ungalele. Do you think he can make enough plays to hang in there against the high-powered offense of, of uh, North Carolina? Clemson's got a great defense, but can that offense help him out? He's shown the ability to at times. I just... I don't I don't think that offense is good. I, I just no. don't. They're they're not where they need to be, you know. Realistically they should have lost to Syracuse. It seems we're a really mismatched offense this year, doesn't it? As yeah. opposed to years previous where it flows. It is a lot not better. complimentary to the defense in any way. I I don't foresee I I actually think North Carolina wins this by two scores. I, I could see it because I think that offense for North Carolina outside of the game against uh, NC State is has been pretty consistent all year long where they're they're moving up and down the field. They're putting up points. Granted, defensively, they're giving up a lot of points as well. I, d- I don't know if I trust Clemson at this point. Like you said it yourself, that offense is so different than it was under Tony Elliott. It's very janky. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem and, – and they, this was a point brought up yesterday by announcers during the USC game – Lincoln Riley called a play. We called that play to build on it. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something you've brought up many times. You call a play to build it, to keep building, to keep building upon that play. doesn't seem like Clemson does that. It's just we're going to throw stuff out there and maybe it'll work. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like throwing feces at the wall and hoping it sticks. It's something we've seen here the last few years. Hey, yeah. maybe this will work. Maybe it won't. Well, we're going to try it anyway. I mean, they don't even have, you know, the Adrian Martinez, Scott Frost special third and long quarterback draw. They don't no, even have that. No, there's there's unfortunately there's no identity to hang your hat on at all, and uh, it's 
yeah, it's 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 not good for Clemson. I mean, I can, I personally love it because I love watching Dabo lose. But um, yeah, we got a lot of championship games today, so it's going to be a, a busy one. But we're going to take another quick break here. When we return, we're going to talk about some NFL power rankings here on Church of the Corn. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn Radio Show. Here, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. Let's talk about a little bit of NFL, NFL power rankings, all that kind of fun jazz. Um, Drake, you want to go first? You want me to go for it? Cool. So I got top five teams. Obviously, um, I'll start off with my number five. Uh, I went with Miami Dolphins. Uh, Miami's eight and three right now, which for them. I'm kind of shocked with the uh, way the offseason went with Flores. With uh, their quarterback being hurt at times. With their quarterback um, falling down and bumping his head a couple times. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of shocked at where they're at in the league. They obviously just beat the Texans. Um, fifth straight victory. 30-point 30 halftime lead. That's, that's pretty good. You know, they've got some big games coming up. Chargers, Bills, Patriots, Jets. Obviously, being in the uh, AFC East is a tough conference this year. I definitely have them as a playoff team. I just don't know how far they go. But that's my number five team. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really impressed with what uh, they've been able to do in year one. Um, I've got Buffalo at number four. Josh Allen is what he is, um, an absolute stud. Him and uh, Diggs is one of the probably top three quarterback wide receiver combinations in the NFL right now. And let's not forget Gabriel, uh, who is a, a great number two uh, wide receiver. Uh, Von Miller, obviously still out with a knee injury. Could be anywhere from a couple weeks to the rest of the season. Big loss there, but that offense just is what it is. It's it's absolutely fabulous this year. McDermott's been able to do some, or Mc, yeah, Sean McDermott's been able to do some great things up there. So keep it up. I I, w- I would love to see Buffalo in the uh, Super Bowl against my Eagles because I want to see those two fan bases together. Number three, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Even after getting rid of Tyreek Hill this offseason, that offense is finally getting to what it, Getting in a groove, Mahomes, Kelsey, I don't know if there's a better quarterback tight end um, combination in the league. you got to wonder when Kelsey's going to start slowing down. I believe he's in his mid-30s and as a tight end. His game's not revolving on speed, though. He's a great route runner. He's a technician of the sport. So, um, Kelsey, uh, Mahomes, top-notch there. Uh, number two, I've got San Francisco, which I did not think I would have at number two. At this point in the season, uh, Shanahan's got that team really going well. Number one defense in the league, I believe, uh, in a four-game win streak, 10 points per game. And then I'll finish up with my number one, uh, my Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts uh, is is in the running for MVP at this point of the year. Set the franchise record for quarterbacks with 157 rush yards. That's not what you want, ideally, against the Packers, but you got to win in the game. Um Rush for 363 yards, 13 yards, 
just shy of the franchise record, set back in the 40s. So, Eagles, I've got his number one and my Super Bowl favorite. The disrespect to the Vikings. Yeah, you know. That being said, I have Vikings at five. I like the Vikings. I just don't trust Cousins. That's fine. They're still, record-wise, the second-best team in the league. I mean, I and I probably should have had them somewhere in my top five. I've got a lot of AFC teams there. It just something about them with Cousins. So, and then mine, mine's very similar to yours. Um, I have the Vikings at five. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson's a dude. Um, Dalvin Cook. That that team can play. Uh, and Kirk just had a huge... My Patriots aren't that great, obviously, this year at 6-6, six six, but Kirk Cousins had a big game, won in crunch time. So I got the Vikings at five. I have the Niners at four. Um, I, I, I actually love what the 49ers have built. They just haven't done quite enough for me to be past that four spot. I got a question for you. With is, is has there been a bet, a bigger acquisition than uh, Christian McCaffrey to any team in the league? Well, I think 49ers hanging on to Jimmy Garoppolo might be more important at this point. I think you might be right there, but those two in the backfield, I mean, yeah. they've gotten him in that offense and got him involved quick. Yeah, and and they had to. They they needed some help. Um but yeah, I think McCaffrey's up as far as midseason, McCaffrey. Um, so far, maybe Sue and the Eagles later on. Uh, my number three team is the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, no matter what. Uh, I'll, I think their defense is far improved from where it's been in past years, even though they lost Tyrone Matthew. Uh, they actually play defense now, and they're not just relying on that offense to score points. Number two, I have your Eagles. Uh, I I think the Eagles are one of the best two teams in the league. My number one, I you know Jalen Hurts is my fantasy quarterback on two out of my three teams. He's great. I I'm a little bit worried about their running game as far as running backs. Obviously, Jalen Hurts can run the ball, but I don't want him running the ball when it comes to January. Yeah, exactly. And so their their running back situation worries me a little bit. That's why I have them at two. So I got a question for you. Are you more concerned about their running back situation on the offense or ability to stop the run on the defense? Uh, I am more worried about their running back situation on offense. See, I'm the opposite. I'm more concerned about the um, ability to stop the run because they, even with the signings of Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue and Jordan Davis is back on the 21-day uh, window to return from IR, and we all know how big that man is. Until they get him back, I'm really concerned about that run, just the ability to stop the run. But he should be back by the playoffs. I think um, he should be back. They're saying he may be back uh, even as soon as this Sunday yeah. to, to anchor against Derrick Henry, which is a fantasy guy that has Derrick Henry. Maybe take a week off and then, Look, you know. I mean, and when it, com- <laughs> when it comes to – your team playing against the Titans, you're basically you want to slow down Derrick Henry. That's but that's that's the whole name you, of the game. You just can't let anybody else beat you on that offense. You can't let the passing game really get going. Um, Der- honestly, I I would let Derrick Henry go for 200 if yeah. nobody else can put it in the end zone. That's what I'm saying. You know, let let him get his yards. But if they're just going to run the ball, that's fine. Let him let him run the ball. Just yeah. keep scoring. Um, and then my number one is, is the Bills. 
I think the Bills are the most complete team if Josh Allen can get healthy. Uh, I I actually think Josh Allen might be the best quarterback in the league right now. He's battling some injuries. Stephon Diggs is great. Um, they they offensively kind of resembled the Chiefs a few years ago where they have a lot of speed at the wide receiver position. Um, but I think their, their running back situation is far superior to anything the Chiefs have had since they had Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Singletary back there for the uh, Bills has really blossomed into James a, Cook had a big night the other night. Yep, Dalvin Cook's brother. And, and when they drafted him out of Georgia, that was a great pick for them. I think they got him in the third round. He was one I was very excited about after watching him at the Bulldogs. I thought yeah. he was going to do great things in the league. Fumble problems early, but kind of mimics his brother the way he runs the ball. Not yeah. not as flashy, but he mimics his brother a lot. I think he he's more of a speed back than his brother. I think he's way better in the passing game. He's not as great between the tackles but he's he's a good running back and he's a good change of pace from Devin Singletary I just think the Bills if if they can get everything right I I just think they're the best team in the league that's a it's a hard team to beat with how they're constructed and 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 if Allen's not having an off night it's really hard to beat that team Mm -hmm. they don't beat themselves for the most part yeah exactly um and they've they've got the tools to bounce back if they need to but we're going to take a quick break here um when we return we have got our guy brian munson from husker online and on three to join us on the world of recruiting to church of the corn on 1620 the zone the church of the corn brought to you by some medical staffing and fcc trucking we are now joined by husker online and on three's very own brian munson to help us get up to date on the crazy world of recruiting brian how we doing today my man hey guys what's up uh you know we're just watching uh the world cup game well drake is at least it's called I- soccer I'm it too i was i was just talking to, to connor on the on the uh offline there a little bit just kind of Seeing what's going on and, and see what you guys are feeling about it. Anybody know why the Netherlands wears orange? No, the, the flag is red, white, and blue. I'm 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 so confused. I'm very confused because yeah, the colors of both these teams are the same, and one's orange. So I I don't quite get soccer, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> yeah, I also have never really understood why the goalie wears a different color uniform. He's the only guy on the field with gloves, but that's just me. Um. <laughs> I I understand the gloves. I think that should be enough to identify him as the goalie. Yeah, those those premier guys. Some of those guys are wearing actually like latex gloves up and down the field, which is kind of strange. But um, but yeah, I I totally agree with you. I just I don't know. Brian, what's your what's your early uh, analysis of this game so far? I think the U.S. is getting a lot of pressure. I I thought it was kind of crazy when Pulisic was uh, earlier <clears throat> earlier was uh, had that had that cross and it looked like he was offside. Then when they went back and reviewed it, man, what a great play by by the U.S. There, I have not been a fan of Pulisic on corners at all this World Cup. I I, I agree. Like 
the first two matches, I felt like he has, has line drive them. He has not put enough height on them. They have not been deep enough off of the front of the goal to basically get it out to where the folks are at. Um, and I thought that the, the one that he had currently today, he failed it. So I think he's really struggling um, from that part of the game. I think he's obviously been huge. It's great to have him out there. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, U.S. has been getting a lot of pressure the whole game, which is which is really a, a great sign, I think, to kind of have some patience here. But this is, uh, this is one of those games I could see U.S. getting a goal like at, at minute 87 or 86 or something like that, putting it in a 1-1 tie and then having to go an extra 30 minutes. And it's going to be a, it's going to be grueling because so far the pace here's been, been pretty fast. With Netherlands struggling with with the flu right now, I think I think being able to go an extra thirty minutes uh, actually favors us some, not a ton, but uh, I'd be interested if they were able to pull that off. Absolutely, no, and I, I just I, I like this too because this is like that you know youngest group in the field, you know youngest, well I guess the youngest youngest team that the U.S. has ever fielded. I think that's also in their, in their favor because they were mentioning about Memphis who scored a goal for Netherlands <clears throat> that he was, I think, on their 2014 team. So I don't think a lot of these guys in 2014 on the U.S. side were even out of high school. So, yeah. I mean, these, these guys are very young. Yeah, every every player I've seen them pull up at age for USA is 22, 23, 24. So I agree with right. you there. Right. Hey, Brian, leading into uh, things going on around the program, um, obviously the the staff has been out recruiting already. Is there any offers that have surprised you so far that that weren't already on the board or some re-offers that you thought might not go out? Uh, I think the first guy and maybe the guy you're kind of you know trying to get to is Cameron Lenhart. Um the, the previous Nebraska commitment who had decommitted basically a few days after Scott Frost was fired, you know, was reoffered by the staff very early on last week. Um, it, it, it seemed a little bit, <clears throat> you know, it seemed a little bit, uh, it was, it was great news obviously, because I, I feel like Cameron's a, a, a great player and a better kid. Um, he's got a lot of things going for him on both sides when it comes to character and, and ability. Uh, I, I've always kind of, seen him though a little bit as a tweener uh, i'm not sure he he necessarily like fits great into one spot i mean he played three technique for part of the season this year at img and he was being recruited as an outside linebacker so i don't know if he's more like a like a wally muhammad kind of defensive end that's a little bit more sawn off like at six one and a half six two um or is he truly like that outside linebacker kind of guy you know, it just he, he's, he seems to have a toughness there, but he also has just the ability to kind of kind of play multiple spots. He can kind of morph into it and, and pull it off. So, I think Lenhart was was the guy that that I probably would consider to be the most surprised about. And then obviously, you know, guys that were probably without offers now that probably needs to be passed along. But we, we kind of kind of mentioned this in tunnel talk yesterday. It seems like. You know, both players, William Watson and Arnold Barnes the third, you know, would will likely not be part of this class but based on just the staff's liking and choosing. Nothing personal, it just doesn't really fit very well. And, and Nebraska's made uh, at least two new offers to running backs, one down in South Grand Prairie, A.J. Newberry, who I caught up with the other day, 
Uh, he's definitely going to be interested in looking around until Deion Sanders gets announced as the Colorado head coach because he's a CU commitment. But um, I, I think that Nebraska is looking for some other candidates at running back right now. Brian, this is something that just came up while you were talking. With so much of the staff coming from the NFL right now, do you feel like they might be behind the eight ball a little bit in recruiting because they hadn't been focusing on that all season? I think that there's going to be some of that. I mean, you know, but I, I also, you know, I go back and I, I think about the words that Mark Rule was, had, um, Matt Rule, excuse me, Mark Rule, Matt Rule had brought up uh, at the press conference on Monday where, you know, Sean Callahan had asked the question like, hey, you know, these first four days for you know before you go out on Friday, pretty important week for you, right? said i'm just you know every day is what it is you know i'm not going to sit there and think about what we don't get done that day we're going to go out and do what we can get done in a day and and nothing that's going to happen basically in a day is going to make or break you know this team and this program basically you know uh you know so early on basically and them being there and i i think that that means you know hey look we're going to be patient they're going to they're going to work things through the process uh, that includes them, you know, going out on the field, going into going into the homes and, and seeing those teams. I, I know that uh, obviously they were out to see Barry Jackson actually to see him play uh, last night. And they're now in the they're going to be in the state championship next weekend. And you know, like Gunnar Gatula, and they went and saw Malachi yesterday afternoon, etc. You know, I think that they went out and saw Hayden Moore, and I haven't been able to catch him yet. And I think they actually saw Ben Bramer didn't catch him either. So. Um, they're 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 getting they're they're going out and doing the right things right now and and I think that I think it's just going to be really interesting to see what 2023 high school guys are going to show an interest here you know and maybe want to come in in the next week or two um, you know along with those commitments next weekend and uh, see what kind of class they can pull off in December and obviously I think it's going to have some portal guys but I, they don't seem to be like bombarding the portal. And they certainly haven't reached out to any junior college guys that I know about yet to, to re-offer that they had offered. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how December goes. Brian, I'm going to completely butcher this next name, but that's okay. You guys get to listen to me do that. Uh, Prince Will uh, Umanamillion? I don't know. That's exactly how you say it. That's my best effort. Um, he's a player that started getting a lot of attention. Um, and Matt Rule actually has a little bit of history with him with recruiting his brother. Um, do you yep. think this is a, a guy that could step in day one, at least in some sort of a rotational role? Or do you think he's a guy that would need a, a year to kind of sit body-wise? Well, I think it obviously depends on what kind of happens at that outside linebacker spot for Nebraska, right? Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like uh, – hold on. Let's, uh, where it's like – I think it's really going to come down to if O'Shawn was leaning towards leaving and Garrett's still kind of trying to figure it out, what, what, are, what are your bodies looking like? Because Caleb's gone. Tanner's gone. So if you're really looking at him for, you know, at, you're looking at God, uh, Godwell for um, uh, that 3-4 outside guy, uh, It's he's got talent. It's just how ready can he be, you know, to kind of do it. Um I, I think that I think obviously that's kind of pain. There there are some things where maybe if the, if there are pro ties or guys that are still in the pros and losing time with the recruiting, I think they're able to kind of get back into it very very quickly with some guys because of previous connections like this one, like with the other Texas area high school coaches where they've been able to reach back out to to some coaches and just 
you know, get connected really, really quickly again. Um, but I think, I think, you know, Khalil obviously has the, the lineage. He has, you know, he's got that brother that's at Florida that was a defensive end as well. So uh, it would be interesting, and I, I know that he's a very, very popular guy, um, but I'm, I'm, I think it's always kind of a stretch, and it always comes down to, like, okay, who else do you, do you have, or are there no, no more options? Uh, so one thing that I've noticed with every coach that, that it's full-time with this staff is they've all seemed to cut their teeth as recruiting coordinators. Do you think this is an advantage for every coach that's on the staff recruiting right now? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that I think there's a, there's a part of the process there, obviously, that, that needs to be understood. I think that, that obviously then that they come, they come in with some, you know, connections back to areas more so than others. Um, I think that, you know, some of the guys that they're coming from other colleges that they have, you know, familiarity with some guys. Uh, but I think, I think having those recruiting, recruiting coordinator guys, obviously it puts Nebraska at an advantage, maybe not right now coming into December, you know, in this current class, but at some point in the future where, you know, they could start coming into the high school doors, you know, with a, with a different shirt on the chest than what they've had before. And, and basically it's going to get some more attention and it's going to help out Nebraska in the long run. It just, it, I think that, I think the miracle that maybe people might be looking for right here might be Nebraska's best chances are to kind of salvage what they have currently in the 2023 group, add a few pieces to it, and then see what else they can kind of do in February. But, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, I just, I, I'm not sure with where they're kind of at right now, you know, what that can all be because the, the landscape of college football and recruiting in general, it's all over, you know, basically by the end of July. And that these guys have been committed, you know, since August. So it's it, this is a really, really different set of circumstances from, than what Rule was, in, uh, you know, familiar with when he was at Baylor. Brian, uh, is there any rumor that you're getting on the recruiting side of who might be coming in on the as a defensive coordinator? And is there any way for them to salvage that relationship with Ernest Hausman and keep him on? I know we've talked one of the most important jobs is recruiting the roster as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, no names. I, I, I chased, chased down a lead uh, with a recruit that met with Nebraska yesterday and uh, that supposedly um, maybe they had been tipped off, you know, with who to kind of expect. And uh, they, there was, there was no story there. There was nothing that was, that was given to him or nothing that he would share anyway. Um and then, uh, and then from there, I mean, with Ernest, I mean, I just, I'm not sure really what's kind of in, in Ernest from my same hometown, and I and I know and I know his dad. You know, we were we 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 came from the same high school. He's a few years older than I was. His sister was a little bit was was a year older than me. So I, I know who the Hausmans are, and actually I communicated with his with his dad through the process about that stuff. But you know, and Ernest was such a. Ernest was such a great kid to talk to throughout the process. Anyway, he was incredibly transparent with me about everything. Um, and, and I just don't feel comfortable, of course, you know, going to him right now and just asking him what, what's kind of going on. What are you kind of waiting for? What are the things that you need to kind of wait and see on before you could, you know, come back to Nebraska? Um, but I, I think the defensive coordinator is going to be big. I think, obviously, when you take – Everything that has kind of changed with him, you know, basically since being there in January, you, you, you know, his dad, Bob, was a, a huge Scott Frost fan. And, and I think that 
Ernest had a great relationship with Coach Rude. Uh, now both of those scenarios are gone. Doesn't mean that they're not still Husker fans. It's just this whole, you know, well, we got to kind of wait this thing out and see. I think there's been some people that, that maybe suspect, you know, he could have been poached. I just find that incredibly difficult uh, to do with an in-state guy. Um, you know, and, and I just, I, I think this is really right now, it's going to come down to just figuring out what that system is going to look like you know, and, and obviously there's going to be a market for a guy like Housen because he just got better as, as the season went on and really flashed in the last game of the season, particularly against like Michigan. Uh, he looked really good. And, and it just looked like one of those really sole bright spots on the football field for either side for Nebraska. And that was a true freshman. Yeah, it seemed like physically and mentally the game started to slow down and match up for him. So, um, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today, my man. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup game and the championship games on today. Another uh, than just one up 2 oh, I don't know if this one's going to go our way, guys. But, yeah, we'll try. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Brian. Take care, my man. All right, everybody. That was Brian Munson from Husker Online and On3. We are going to take our last break. When we return, we're going to try and make you guys some money here on Church of the Corn. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. And one of these quotes is going to save the world. And that means that Mike Leach can save the world. All of his words together. Somebody, I can't remember, somebody said that in passing, you know, one of the, I hate cats, you know, somebody really hates cats. And I've never figured that one out. Uh, I've never figured, I mean, and a credit to cats, the ability to generate that much animosity. And I'm not sure how close of a relationship some of these people are planning to have with a cat or why they would value the opinion of a cat or their perceived opinion of a cat. Um... I'm indifferent about cats. I mean, to me, it's just a cat. It's just a squirrel. It's just a dove. It's just a robin. I mean, what do I care, you know? So, Welcome back anyway. to the Church of the Corn here on 1620. Brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. Can I'm, I say something? I'm so mad that Mike Leach isn't the head coach here. I was just, that's, that's where I was going. I, I think Matt Rule's going to hopefully turn out great, but dang it, did we not miss on not hiring Mike Leach? I just wanted those press conferences. It would have been glorious. Well, a corn husker, you know, I don't know what they do, but they husk corn. And then, you know, I don't know if they'd win a fight against a Spartan because a Spartan's got a sword and a shield. Yeah, but we have tractors. We do have tractors. As I, as I said last week, we would dominate that fight. Run them over with the combine. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's make people money now. I don't know. I'm on a cooler, but... I was actually going to ask, uh, Drake, you got any good picks that will help these folks make some money today? K-State money line. I was... Don't bet the life savings, though. Oh, God, no, no. K-State money lines, plus 100. Uh, Horned Frog, surprisingly, only a 120 uh, favorite on the money line. So, I'm going to go... I'd take... Drake I'm, May over 350 yards passing, if that's an option. I'm going to go TCU. But uh, how about this line? LSU is a 17-and-a-half-point dog against uh, Georgia. I think Georgia covers. What's the over? Uh, over is, looks like 52. Hammer it. So would you take the 17 and a, Georgia 17 the 17-and-a-half and, and the over. Parlay it. That may be a Degenerate. Pers- 
<laughs> I'm not not mad at it. Let's see what we got here. Uh, okay, so we got another gigantic line here. Michigan, Purdue, 16 and a half. Uh, I'm taking Purdue to cover. Okay. Lines 52. Under. Purdue is a 600 dog on the money line. I'm, oof. Woo, no Blake Corum. <laughs> no Blake other, Corum. Other running backs playing with a broken hand. Let's you know get, what? Gets in a passing shootout, just saying. Boilermaker country, let's ride. <laughs> do not, do not take that bet. Oh, you are going to get some angry callers on that one. Let's see what we got. What else we got here? Uh, Clemson, North Carolina, seven and a half point favorite Clemson. North Carolina, money line. That's 235. 235 underdog. Taking or, it, baby. I, I would, I'd hammer that one. Um, over, under on that 63 and a half. Over. I like it. Well, life's too short to bet the unders. Well, that's what we got, boys. Uh, for Drake, Zach, Conrad, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks again.